I'm Felina. And I'm Summer. And you are listening to Broke and Broken. <laughs> because we're both. The podcast about living your best life by getting real. Hey, broken people. This is Summer. And today we have a very special episode for you. Um, I hope you remember Lisa Landry from episode 33. She is a comedian and just a wonderful person. And um, we had a lot of fun with her when she came on uh, the show. And as we mentioned during that episode, Lisa also has a podcast called Womanist to Society. Um, I've been on there a couple times. And in fact, that's how I met Lisa. Um, she actually contacted me through Twitter to ask me to be a guest on her show. And well, recently she was wonderful enough to have Felina on the show um, to give you a little summary of what Womanist to Society is. It's a podcast series um, feature, featuring socially relevant talks with artists, activists, anarchists, streamers, and doers across America. The blurb on the website says Landry chats with quirky visionaries working to reform what's broken from coast to coast and the website being lisalandry.com so check it out you can check out her comedy there as well and so lisa has granted us permission to share felina's episode with you all and so i hope you enjoy it and we will be back to regularly scheduled programming next week lisa yes baby girl when i grew up I want to be a woman to society. And so shall you be. Hey y'all, welcome back. This is One Menace to Society. I'm Lisa Landry. I'm thrilled to speak with today's guest. She is a young practicing attorney. She is currently in the state of Oklahoma. Please welcome to the podcast my friend Felina Rivera. Hello, thank you so much for having me today. Thank you so much for being here. You know, I'm really excited to speak with you because you are a young attorney. You're one of those millennials. And I think we need a lot of young people entering the law field. Yeah, I mean, I'm probably a senior millennial. Like, I'm like right there on the cusp. I always considered myself like Gen X or Y or whatever. But like, I am technically, technically a millennial, just a, a much older one. But it doesn't really make a difference whether I, I get treated like I'm 27 rather than 37 uh, in the courtroom anyway. So I, I think I probably definitely have the millennial perspective uh when it comes to practicing law for sure <laughs> <laughs> for sure that would hammer it home girl <laughs> well you know uh, i mean in terms of the law, practice of law and attorneys uh you know only about 10 percent of attorneys actually do courtroom time and i'm so sorry if this is getting loud it's raining while i'm driving oh yeah um, it's been raining in oklahoma look out there's a lot of twisters i hear <laughs> yeah, I've like grown up here, so I just grew up watching them pass us by and kind of like hanging out by the shelter. We're like, oh, there's one. Is it getting close? Nah. Do we need to go in the shelter? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just wait here uh, till the TV goes out. <laughs> people suddenly freak out when they come to Oklahoma. I'm like, eh, it's fine. <laughs> there's only 10% of lawyers who practice courtroom law or go into right, the courtroom? Um, yeah, so, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that happens outside of the courtroom, and, um, you know, transactional law uh, is what I think a lot of attorneys do, and that's how I started out, but I am now uh, actually practicing in the courtroom as a trial attorney, and I've only been doing that for the past year, 
and it's been really interesting. Uh, I do insurance defense, which sounds super fucking boring, but if you're a legal nerd and like research and writing, the, the issues that you deal with get really interesting. And, uh, you know, part of that is, you know, being trained on how to behave in the courtroom and what to expect and you know, the temperament of judges. It's really a drama. And the people who dominate, at least in Oklahoma, and I would imagine this is probably the case in, in most states, it's old white dudes. I mean, it's an it's a old white dudes club. And, uh, I mean, the law firm I work at, it's like, I think there's 13, 10 to 13 lawyers. They're all old white men, except for me and one other young woman. You know, we're the only ones that are even in our 30s. And uh, I'm the only one that's not white. <laughs> <laughs> What's that like? <laughs> well, <laughs> it can be it can be really interesting. <laughs> People look at me. You know, I get assumed that I'm the paralegal uh, or the secretary or whatever it is an assumption that clients make, that opposing counsel makes. You know, I'm on the defense side. I may show up in a courtroom to, you know, a deposition to depose a plaintiff who's suing my client. And, you know, I've had scenarios where the plaintiff themselves, you know, even though I was the one conducting the, the deposition, still just couldn't get it in their head that I was the attorney. <laughs> <laughs> Who is this brown young woman asking me questions? <laughs> yeah, and like, you know, it, it's I use it to my advantage because people will tell me more things than there's probably should. <laughs> They're like, oh, you know, this harmless little lady. <laughs> so it, it's interesting because I don't come from a traditional background where a lot of attorneys, you know, even female attorneys whose granddaddies and great granddaddies were district court judges and their brothers own a law firm. Uh, nepotism it really rules in, in the legal field. And I don't have any of those connections. Like, my dad's from Mexico and he didn't even graduate from high school. So, like, I don't have anybody that gives me those opportunities, so I take them where I can get them, but it, it is somewhat insulting sometimes. Yeah, I can so. imagine. I can imagine because, you know, you already have to work harder because there is this perception that you're, first of all, brown and young and female, and then on top right. of that, you don't come from the right class of society that runs the courtrooms. Right, yeah. I mean, my boss just could not understand why I was getting pissed off at about six months into my job there. He thought it was real funny to call me the intern. I'm like, I've been practicing for seven years. I'm 37 years old. It's not like I just finished law school by any means. And, you know, it wouldn't have been so insulting, but for the fact that the, the case assignments that I was being given were softballs. Huh. And it, it just was getting so frustrating to be jokingly, quote unquote, called the intern, and then also being asked to like transcribe a deposition or something, you know, stupid that should have been going to a paralegal. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, to top it all off, you know, one day my boss comes back from a hearing and he says, "Oh, plaintiff's counsel sent a, a little hottie, Felina. Uh, the next time there's a hearing in that case, I'll, I'll send you. Maybe you two can mud wrestle." And I'm like, really? You're wow. going to say that to me? In front of staff, like in front of the other attorneys in our office, in front of our paralegal. And so I called him out on it. You know, mm -hmm. I called him. He left the office right after. I called him on his cell phone. I said, you know what? I didn't really appreciate that. And his response was, well, you're too sensitive. 
you didn't like the intern joke, you don't like this, I can't be worried about a discrimination suit. So if you can't buck up and, and, and handle it, then this job isn't going to work out. And that's and an I'm attorney. Like, that's an attorney. I, Somebody who actually knows labor laws. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, and I'm like, you're creating a scenario for there to be a discrimination suit, dude. Like, just shut your mouth. Like, and it pissed me off so bad the more I thought about it because, you know, by me having the balls to say, hey, I didn't appreciate that, I was setting a boundary with him. And, you know, in response, he says, oh, well, you're too sensitive. And that's a way of gaslighting me into shutting up and never bringing up my issues or perspectives later on. That's really and, abusive, you know. That's, um, yeah. that's extremely patriarchal. And <laughs> oh, yeah. I've experienced and that so many times in comedy. Like, you can set boundaries with somebody who is clearly out of their mind or clearly taking advantage of you or clearly misogynistic, racist, a rapist, la, la, la. And you are all of a sudden the sensitive person who's a bitch, and then they will turn around and destroy your reputation behind your back because they're bullies. To his credit, I mean, he called me back and he was like, I don't want you to be worried about your job and blah, blah, blah. Like, he kind of backtracked, but for about a month, he treated me real shitty. It was almost like he was looking for another reason to fire me. He was nitpicking all my work and, you know, things leveled out now and it's, you know, better now, but... It was just crazy to be treated this way by someone who, first off, recognized that there was a lack of diversity at the firm and hired me in part because of that and because I was supposedly capable. And then to pull such a 180 and treat me that way, like you hire me as a diverse hire and then you treat me differently. Stop doing that. Yeah, I'm it's sorry. Just, I'm sorry because your job's already stressful enough. Well, yeah, I don't need him to be stressing me out. Like, the job itself can be stressful. Being before a judge is, is stressful. Making sure you're properly prepared is stressful. You know, not knowing what to anticipate, trying to anticipate the things that can't be anticipated. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the last thing I need is a boss who doesn't support me, uh, who isn't, you know, who claimed to be a mentor and then pulled that shit. You know, it's just like, it's very disheartening. It's not good for your uh -oh. clients either. It's not good for the people that you're representing. No, no, absolutely. And, you know, that had... I think in part, yeah, it, it had a lot more to do with me being, or him perceiving me to be young and inexperienced more than than anything. Yeah, you know, but they hired you, so he knows that's not the reality. That's just his little fantasy of you. You know what I'm well, saying? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's age discriminated against the young. Like, I've seen him make comments to other people, and maybe that's just his own insecurity because he's getting older in, in his career. But it's just, and, and, and I see that happen, like, you know, just speaking of the millennial perspective, like I'll go into the courtroom and I mean, there are, it's so funny. Like there are these men that are still practicing who can't remember what date their, their hearing was supposed <laughs> to show up on the wrong docket. You know, they're in their eighties, nineties even. And like, you know, they chit chat with the judge and it's just, it's bizarre. <laughs> it's such a drama to go to court. Like it's, it's just entertaining, but you know, the judges are changing as well. I mean, there's, I see turnover pretty frequently here in Oklahoma. There's quite a few female judges, which is great. You know, some of the judges are no nonsense. Some of them have no balls and don't want to do anything risky. I mean, it's just all over the place, but I'll walk into the courtroom and I always look around and see 
how many other women are there and how many other young lawyers are there. More and more, I see uh, it level out. One day, I remember walking in, seeing nothing but female attorneys. There was only one male attorney who happened to be my co-counsel in the room. Wow. And I was like, yeah, I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, because, like, there's room for everybody. I'm not one of those people who hates all old white men or any of that nonsense. But but it's like, come on, we got to have, we got to have diversity. We have to all have representation and we all have to be heard without bias. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, the thing about my boss's comment, like, you know, I honestly don't give a shit. Like, make jokes about how I look. Like, I could I, I really wanted to just be like, nobody wants to see you in a spandex. Like, you know, I wanted to just joke back with him. And if I had been given equal assignments, uh, you know, I probably would have had that, that attitude about it. And I don't, I think he was just totally oblivious to the fact that he is not treating me like a, you know, he's treating me like a baby attorney who, who is an intern. Yeah, well, and he sounds like a headliner was, who's messing with the, the MC to me. He still sees you as an open micer. He won't let you come up to feature <laughs> or headline status. <laughs> right, yeah. But, you know, the really the underlying issue was that, you know, not just him, but another attorney in my office, oh, most you know, most of the other attorneys in my office, you know, they, they'll give me tasks, uh, you know, on their cases and they'll be like, oh, well, you know, I need to handle this hearing because opposing counsel, he's a, you know, he's a shark or he's been practicing for 30 years or he's, you know, whatever. And I'm like, who fucking cares? Like I can handle my own. You're on my side. We're on the same team. I don't need you to be thinking I can't handle my own. If I'm young in this field, fine. Then teach me how to handle it myself. Don't go fucking do it for me. Like that shit pisses me off. Yeah. Is, you know, calling someone because they think I can't handle the phone call rather than telling me, you know, the things I should be looking out for when I handle it. It, it was the underlying, you know, thing that, oh, well, I was only capable of going against another young female attorney. You know, that that's my equal. No, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> you are gladiator. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I get, I, get, I get a little carried away. Yeah. No, I think it's wonderful. <laughs> I, no, I, I love it. I love it. You're passionate. And it does feel bad to be negated like that on a regular basis yeah yeah and i know i'm a badass bitch like i know (laughs) what i'm capable of and it pisses me off that they don't but it drives me to because you know i'll just leave and go somewhere else and like be a rock star and they can go oh well shit we lost out so that's my i just let it motivate me to do more i love it I love it. Speaking about doing more, I want to ask you, because I know that you recently got barred in Colorado. So now you're, did, yes. yeah, you're barred in Oklahoma, where they just passed medical marijuana not so long ago. And of course, yep. in Colorado, cannabis is legal. It's recreational, medical, and now they're going to have mushrooms available for the public. How, right. What is it like to practice in two such very different environments? Well, I will say that I haven't, since I just got barred in Colorado, I actually haven't taken any cases in Colorado as of yet, but I actually have spent a lot of time there. The reasons why I've got the the Colorado bar license involve an ex-boyfriend who was also an attorney in Colorado, so I won't go into that, but uh, (laughs) needless to say, I have been around it even though I haven't been practicing in Colorado. Technically, I haven't had a case there yet. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and, and we talked before the show a little bit just involving the bar process. You know, I, I took a, a test here in Oklahoma to get my bar license. And then after you practiced in our state, you know, some states recognize reciprocity. And so if you practice for a certain number of years and, and meet a certain number of criteria, you can apply for reciprocity to be licensed in, in that state. So that's what I did with Colorado. So I didn't have to take another bar exam. Oh, wow. Um, right. But I, did, I had to take an ethics test. and I've, I've got to do a few little continued legal education classes that are specific to Colorado. Like bong hits. Um, they teach you how to do really solid bong hits before you walk into court. Right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yes. I mean... <laughs> That's what everybody does in that state now, right? <laughs> and that's what everybody's doing in Oklahoma now, too. We're all getting our medical cards, and we're like, hey, it's legal. Don't, it's legal. <laughs> but having not practiced in Colorado, i got to say, it's, it's probably very similar to Oklahoma now and, and watching the shift uh, here in our state. I mean, it's been less than a year. You know, if you would have asked me a year ago, if I was going to go on an interview, which I'll get into later, uh, with a with a woman who practices solely in cannabis law, and they get high with her at the end of the interview, <laughs> I would be like, "You're crazy! What?" Uh, but you know, that may or may not have happened. <laughs> I think if that if that did happen, that's wonderful. Like people, people go out have a drink after an interview together just to kind of right. get to know one another. Why would you not have cannabis if you're legally able to smoke a joint together exactly. and speak about your thoughts? Why would you not do so? Exactly, exactly. It's better than downing uh, scotch at the hotel bar, right? But yeah, you know, in terms of cannabis being legal, uh, you know, in Colorado or Oklahoma, I mean, I think the biggest concerns have been. Where's the money going to go for one? And we've seen Colorado do a really good job of giving it back to their community, uh -huh. which has been impressive. Uh, Oklahoma really needs to follow suit. We've got the number one incarceration rate of women in our state. And a lot of women are there for felony possession of marijuana. And a lot of those women statistically are survivors of severe childhood trauma that they never got help for. So they're already Absolutely. victims. And now they're locked in for smoking flowers. So they're away from their kids. Right, and then it's a strain on the DHS system in Oklahoma, mm -hmm. which is constantly having its budget cut in this very red state because we only care about, you know, keeping kids alive when they're in the womb, but once they come out, we don't give a fuck. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we've got just shit <laughs> legislature. We, we have, like, one Democrat win one Senate seat in uh, the last election. Even CNN was like, what? Like, what's that here? It's very, very solid red Bible belt, buckle of the Bible belt, Oklahoma. <laughs> so, you know, there is hope, but, and I like to think that cannabis will bring us all together. Yeah. Uh, as it does, you know, outside of politics, I think it can do the same in politics because in Oklahoma, we wanted our, we like our guns, but we wanted our weed too. <laughs> and y'all fought for it and you kept both. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well done. So, well done. <laughs> I think that's yeah. rad. Yeah. And, uh, you know, fortunately, I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with Colorado being a bordering state and seeing that it worked there made us feel safe about making that transition in our state as well. Mm -hmm. and, the idea of cannabis bringing people together makes sense to me because it doesn't matter how different some of our ideologies might be. If we can just, like, chill out 
and see each other as human, maybe we can work a few problems out together, you know? Right. Well, and it, I mean, it's just so funny. I, I feel like there are a lot of like closet pot smokers in the state of Oklahoma, and a lot of them are these conservative right-wing Republicans. I've got family who like really fit in that description, but they're like, and they're professionals, you know, and until recently, they've had to stay in the closet about their pot smoking. Yeah. Um, but now, you know, they're slowly starting. I mean, it still feels like a crime. Like people are like, I'm like ballsy. I'll y'all stand outside and like smoke a joint. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? Look at me. <laughs> but not everybody feels that way. You know, a lot of people are still like, we need to sneak away and hide this, but uh, you're starting to slowly see people go, oh, well, we don't, we don't have to be quite so secretive about this now. Right. Um, and, and it's funny because Oklahoma's got looser laws about where you can smoke it than Colorado does because Colorado, you can't smoke a cigarette from fucking anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, they've got... you got to like, walk to Kansas. Yeah, like, they've got regulations to where, like, you, you, you can be outside and you're still getting in trouble for smoking. It's like... They've got a whole sections like in in Boulder, Colorado, on Pearl Street. Like you can't even smoke in the whole of that district. Like <laughs> even if you're walking around, you know, uh, you know, you cross the threshold and it's like no smoking beyond here. Well, in Oklahoma, you can fucking smoke anywhere. So yeah, because we're you know unhealthy as fuck, and you can also so like the way the laws are written right now she can smoke cannabis wherever cigarettes are or can be smoked but see i don't so, think there's i think that's the way it should be i like that see i i'm not from your state so i have a different take on oklahoma i think there's a lot of autonomous values independence in being independent is like a big deal but then a lot of people don't get to enjoy that because there's a lot of racism and there's a lot of women should be barefoot in the kitchen right yeah i mean you're not wrong yeah <laughs> But it'd be cool if everybody got to smoke wherever they wanted, as long as they're not blowing smoke in anybody's face, you know? Right. And I mean, what I've kind of seen happen here is, like, nobody's really smoking inside. Even, like, you know, we still allow smoking in bars. Uh, Nobody's smoking pot inside the bar. Uh, They might on a crazy night. Uh, People are smoking vape pens in the bar. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, people just, like, go out back and smoke a joint like it's no thing anymore, you know? And cops walk by i mean i we had a music festival uh, about a month ago in oklahoma which is actually a pretty big one uh there was like i don't know like 50 60 thousand people showed up like it was pretty crazy and you know we're walking down the street smoking a joint cops walking along i mean they don't say anything it's you know it's just not a thing anymore and that is just the shift to watch it happen and be from the state this very conservative state and see that happen it's like it's fucking awesome (laughs) yeah that sounds really awesome that's liberating yeah it really is and you know even after you know i i I somewhat touched on why i got my colorado license and even after that relationship fell through i actually still was like you know i may still move to colorado (laughs) and like i really want to be able to smoke pot i'd like to work in cannabis law and then the laws changed here and i was like eh I think I'm going to stay here. We've got pretty loose laws. It's like the Wild West. Let's see what happens. Yeah, that's great. (laughs) But, you know, the practice of law itself is becoming more, uh, you know, without borders, I guess. There are some states where you can take a test, and if they are, it's a UBE uh, state. I can't remember what that stands for. But if, if that particular state is a UBE state and you take the bar exam there, then you automatically qualify for any other state 
that is also UVE, uh, a UVE testing state. And I think there's like something like 30 or 40 states right now. I can't remember the last time I looked how many there were. But you've got situations where, you know, people's residencies more up in the air and there's multiple clients, multiple plaintiffs, multiple defendants from different states. And it, it's helpful to have a bar license in more than one state because people just don't live in the same spot and stay still as much as they used to. I, I anticipate this Colorado license will come in handy, even though I haven't used it quite yet, especially with Oklahoma you know, moving in that direction. And, you know, I've seen a lot of investors from other states come here wanting to, to participate in the in the industry here now that our state is, is legal. Uh, you've got, you know, established cannabis companies in Colorado and California uh, looking for new opportunities. And the way, the way the law is written in Oklahoma is you have to be a resident in our state to own more than 25% of a, a cannabis company here. You can have an investor that, you know, lives out of state, that, but they cannot invest more than 25% or have more than 25% ownership of the company. So people are moving here because the cost of living is a lot cheaper and, you know, they've got their businesses already established and, you know, I you know, know people, uh, potential clients who, you know, live in Cal- lived in California, set up shop there, got a, you know, solidly well-established cannabis business there and they just moved here and they're, you know, starting in this new frontier so they can be residents and own more more of the stake here. It's it's really interesting. It's very interesting to watch. It's gonna be it's gonna be very like you're saying, interesting to see how this all plays out with an influx of new new cultures coming in. Yeah. It's I gonna mean, be great. You know, Diversity is really good, you know, changes things yeah. for the better. It's it's great. Uh, you know, I see a lot of women in this industry. Oh yeah, which is really refreshing. And you know, I kind of love the fact that like it is the female plant, uh, mm-hmm. the marijuana plant, is a female cannabis plant that produces you know THC flowering pot. And so it only makes sense that it become a female dominated industry, in my my opinion. <laughs> I was reading this research study about how I think this is shifting now. This is from a few years back. It was talking about how cannabis is one of the few industries that is not male dominated because women got in on the ground level and now it's kind of shifting because for instance coke is going to start putting cbd oil in in their beverages and stuff like that it's shifting into more men getting in and corporations kind of trying to take over right yeah but you know i i feel like and maybe i mean this is total gut instinct um, and, and i'm an investor myself in, in a cannabis company in my hometown we've got to grow in a couple of dispensaries and a, a processing lab and what i see is that uh, yeah there's going to be some chains there's going to be some uh you know big corporations trying to participate and capitalize on the market but at the end of the day like Cannabis smokers and users, like, really care about where their product comes from and like, what it does for you, and especially if it's locally grown. Like, I just don't think that big corporations are ever going to be able to totally usurp the local industry in in, in this particular field. I, I just don't see that happening because they can't create the personalized experience that pot smokers want i don't want to go buy my my pot from you know from walmart walmart no i want that discount strain made in china 
like if I'm in a pinch, whatever, maybe, but like, I'm not going to go on the regular, like going and buying something like that. You know, somebody who's taking shortcuts and is using ethanol and making their vapes and stuff like that. And so, I mean, a big part of it is education too and teaching people, okay, well, you know, not all pot is created equal. Not all those vape pens or, or edibles you like are created equal. I, you know, either like there's some health concerns that go with, you know, vapes that are distilled using ethanol or alcohol versus an organic process like the company that I'm part of uses, you know? And when you teach that to people, they're like, oh, fuck, like, you know, they care. And so... No, you make a lot of sense. I agree with you completely, and I love that you are thinking like that. That's very visionary and also very local at the same time. And, you know, you're right. If you're using cannabis for purely medical reasons one strain does not fit all no not at all so like you know there's there's a pretty big dispensary that has you know a few locations in oklahoma and i see that being pretty common but i just don't see the walmarts coming in the coca-colas and being able to really dominate like i just don't see it they're gonna get their piece of the pie for sure Um, (laughs) but i don't see it you know i don't see them taking it over or taking it away from from locally owned businesses, and I love that, you know, and I want to represent, you know, that's who my client base is going to be, is is people like that, uh, who are trying to grow their own business, and I want to help them, you know, I want to see it succeed, I want to see them succeed, so, yeah. You're like an all-around grower, you're a grower. (laughs) (laughs) Literally and figuratively, yes. (laughs) Felina, what else are you doing besides law this summer? Uh, well, I do have a tour coming up. I'm happen, I happen to be a singer-songwriter, uh, a musician as well, and I'm going to be touring in the Midwest uh, a little bit. I'll be in Kansas City, uh, Missouri, and Wichita uh, at the Elbow Room mid-June. Uh, but you can find all that kind of information about me on my website uh, for my music. It's uh, felinaandthefeels.com. Uh, so if anybody's in the Midwest region, come check me out. I love the band name, FelinaAndTheFeels.com, or we find you, Felina Rivera, online as an attorney if we need your services in Oklahoma or Colorado. Uh, Yes, ma'am. I'm all over the internet. Just Google me. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Felina, Felina Rivera, would you come back and speak with me in the future? Absolutely. I've got all sorts of things happening all the time, so I would love to. (laughs) We would love to have you. Thank you so very much for talking to me and my listeners today, especially in the rain. I hope there's no tornadoes going off later today. (laughs) No, it was just a a little scattered storm. It's passed now, so uh, it's clear skies for the rest of the day, I think. (laughs) Well, good luck with the law and good luck with the music. Thanks so much. Have a good day. Well, enjoy the sunshine, sister. Thanks, y'all, for listening. Please come back to next One Menace Wednesday. You can find me on my website, lisalandry.com. Shout out, Ari. I love you, little boo-boo. You can contact the podcast at brokebrokenpodcast at gmail.com. The Broken Broken Podcast can be found online at www.brokebrokenpodcast.com, on Twitter at brokebrokenshow, on Instagram and Facebook at Broke Broken Podcast. You can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and YouTube.